This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Wednesday, March 15, 2023, and today will be better than yesterday. Working from Bristol, Sarah Abbott, Taylor Schwenk, Bruce Baldwin, I'm Buster Only in Tampa, wearing a sweatshirt, Sarah Abbott, because it's a little cold down here, and I could... I mentioned that before we got going this morning. You had the biggest grin on your face. Like you were happy that I was telling you that it was cold and rainy down here in Tampa. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, I have my sister who lives in Tampa and every time I call her, she's like, oh, it's beautiful day. It's 80 degrees. And meanwhile, it's 20 degrees here and the wind is going crazy and it's snowing and disgusting. So that brings me a little joy knowing we're all in it together. <laughs> So you're happy if we're miserable down here, is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Uh, A fun show for you today. Uh, Sarah Langs is going to join us. Hembo is going to join us. Xavier Scruggs is going to talk to us about the guys he think might go 40-40 this year. 40 home runs, 40 stolen bases. And he's going to tell you who he thinks the Yankees should pick to be their shortstop at the start of the year. Uh, but as you know, right now in the uh, biggest part of the baseball stage, the World Baseball Classic, the Dominican Republic uh, put themselves in a good position going into today's showdown with Puerto Rico by winning in a walk-off on Tuesday with help from Gene Segura. Mercy rule in that case where Dominican wins 10 to nothing. Uh, Canada was playing on Tuesday. Otto Lopez got a big hit in the top of the ninth inning. Not showing, Bunt. Drive to left. That ball's deep. That ball's gone. Three-run shots. Oh, Canada. Five nothing. I mentioned later today, big game between Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic where the winner moves on. The Atlanta Braves have optioned pitcher Ian Anderson to their AAA affiliate, the latest setback for right-hander whose promising start to his career included pitching five hitless innings in Game 3 of the 2021 World Series. They also sent down Bryce Elder to AAA, so the competition for that fifth spot in the Atlanta rotation continues. Left-hander Jose Quintana won't make his New York Mets debut until at least July because of a stress fracture in his rib. Uh, as Buckshaw Walter told reporters, hey, you got to look at this as like a trade deadline deal. Uh, that'll be about the time that he'll be back. Since our last podcast, Trevor Bauer finalized the deal to play in Japan. That, according to Jeff Passan, uh, he's someone to, we talked about when he finished serving a suspension. The question was whether or not a major league team would take a shot at him. The answer, clearly, no. I was in Clearwater on Tuesday. I got to see the Braves, and I got to see the Phillies, and Ozzie Albies looks terrific. He got a big hit in the top of the fifth inning. And the pitch to Ozzie. Swung on, lifted in the air to right center field. Very deep. Castellanos looks up. That ball is out of here. Home run, Ozzie Albies. That away, Oz. He hooked one up into that jet stream and out onto the berm for a three-run shot. We talked last year, I think it was Hemo who brought up, about how Zach Eflin was going to be a great investment for some team as a free agent. He's now with the Tampa Bay Rays, the team that he wanted to sign with, uh, and he had a nice outing on Tuesday. 
The 2-2. Waved on and missed. So a couple of strikeouts in the top of the third inning for Zach Eflin. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, I will uh, note again the College Game Day podcast with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel going through every single game in the NCAA tournament bracket, region by region. We broke it out into four mini pods, a little bit more digestible. You should check that out as you're filling out your bracket because they're due tomorrow at noon. College Game Day podcast. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Xavier Struggs uh, played in the National League. He played in the KBO. He played in the Mexican League. And now he's an analyst for the MLB Network and for ESPN. And you can follow him on Twitter. It's a must follow for me. X, I love your videos. (laughs) Now, how do you (laughs) put those together? I mean, it's, it's been something that I was always kind of excited about, you know, just making videos in general, even before I got into baseball. Um, and then I kind of realized like, that's the way our, our world is going digitally. And and if I can get, you know, people's attention or, or garnish a, a certain audience that loves watching videos, I said, you know what, why don't I take advantage of that? So I've been enjoying it, man. It's It's been fun, especially after playing the game. And a video that you posted recently is about two big numbers, 40 and 40. What's that about? Yeah, I just like this idea of the 40-40 club, it awes me just because we saw Barry Bonds, we saw Jose Canseco, we saw Alfonso Soriano. Um, Eric Davis. The other one. Eric yeah. Davis was a big guy, you know. Yeah, was, and, and I, I just thinking about the guys that, you know, it, it's such an exclusive club. And now that MLB has changed some rules as far as pickoff attempts and the, the pickoff restrictions, a little bit bigger bases, um, and we have more emphasis on the athletic side of the game, do we end up seeing more guys now in this club that, when you think about it, was is really associated with guys that have used PEDs? Oh, Alex Rodriguez was the other guy I forgot. Um so now with this opportunity, we've seen some guys get the 40 homers, but how close can we see those guys now take another level with the stolen bases? I look at guys like Ronald Acuna Jr., who's been close before. We look at Julio Rodriguez, um, who has the ability to show off the power and speed. I even look at um, Michael Harris, the second who touched the scene yes. this past year. Like there's guys now 
with the opportunity to steal more bases, we could see more guys in this 40-40 club. I'm, I'm excited to see how the athleticism continues to take place in our game. Mike Iyer's second the other day for the Braves hit a home run opposite field, left field, and you're just like, man, it feels like he's just scratched the surface uh, of how great he's going to be. Let me ask you this. The one, and it's interesting because, you know, I mean, my God, Ricky Henderson, you steal over 100 bases in his season. He had 130 bases, steals 130, <laughs> and he was such a physical runner. Like he was, Ricky was strong and he was, and he had that landing when it came down, it felt like the the middle infielders in the way he was going to take him out. One of the things that I hear from players a lot more than ever, I remember Jose Altuve about five or six years ago, he had a good year stealing bases. And, you know, I asked him about, Hey, you're going to do 30 again. And he's like, no, there's so Mm -hmm. much concern about staying on the field, you know, about staying in the lineup and trying to save your body. Um, You know, in the NBA, they talk about load management. It feels like there's a little bit of that in baseball in terms of stealing bases. So on one hand, there are, you know, the bases are bigger. uh, The pickoff rules are different than they used to be. And I think there will be more steals this year. But tell me about sort of how you feel like players now consider taking care of themselves, the wear and tear over the course of a season. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing that will ultimately c- compete against guys getting the 40-40 opportunity is because I, I look at guys like Kyle Tucker, right? Uh, the last two years, 30 home runs quietly, right, in that Astros lineup, stole 25 bases last year. But I look at guys like that who will potentially get the 40 home runs, but how eager are they to continue to run and how important will that be for their teams or for themselves? That's one of the things. The other thing too is, we don't see a lot of guys playing 162 games now, right? The, the the rest and recovery, like you mentioned, is so important now within our game that guys now take take the uh, extreme um, emphasis uh, in just playing hopefully 140, right? Or hopefully 150. So that knocks off an opportunity to get to some of those numbers that we see guys get to in the past. You mentioned in Ricky Henderson. Uh, I even think of guys like Trey Turner. How how eager yes. will he be to get to the point to where he needs to steal 60, 70 bases? He may not feel like he needs to do that because power is a, a, is a part of his game too. His ability to drive the, the baseball in the gaps and then get himself to third base. So, I, I look at, you know, that could be something that contrasts guys' ability to say, I want to steal bases. So 2018, 2019, 2020, Aaron Judge had injury issues. He was off the field. And last year, as he was having this amazing season, I remember talking to people within the Yankees about, boy, you know, how has Judge evolved? And one of the things they pointed out was he has learned his body over yeah. the course of his career mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, he he's learned that less is more in terms of daily preparation. You know, he can... Mm take fewer swings in batting practice because he knows it'll help him stay on the field. Uh, Trey Turner, you mentioned him, and I'm curious, is that, you know, thinking about 40-40 guys in the big leagues, Turner, I mean, he's compared to, you know, a judge or a Julio Rodriguez. He's not as Mm -hmm. big physically, but he is strong. Yeah, Right, right. Yeah, that's one of the guys, when you watch his batting practice, to see the way the ball jumps off his bat, he's got that different sound that guys like Judge, Stanton, Kyle Swarber, the big guys have. He has that same type of pop. And it's crazy to, to, to watch his batting practice because he can drive balls all over the field as well. And, you know, the one thing with him going over to the Phillies, 
I, I think it's going to be such a jolt into that offense because of his uh, ability to use the athleticism, be able to steal some bases, be able to go first to third, be able to go first to home. Um, but but to your point, it's just guys understand now their bodies and how important it is to take care of them in the offseason and during the season. Uh, that We have a better understanding of how our bodies move when it comes to mobility and flexibility. And all that knowledge now helps guys understand what they can kind of pull their put, take, take some gas, take some their pedal off the gas a little bit in certain areas. And, OK, I, can, I don't have to prep as hard taking as many swings here or taking as many sprints. Guys understand that, and I think that's ultimately helped guys now continue to play longer. So how much uh, have you been got a chance to watch the WBC so far? Oh, man, this has been this has been awesome. Yeah, you know, for me, like playing in Korea, played in right. Colombia, played in, in Mexico, Dominican, like I live for this because I understand how much the game means to, you know, some of these other countries that aren't always on the highest stage that we get to watch them them play. So uh, along those lines, the big game today, you got Puerto Rico against the Dominican Republic. I, in some ways, I feel like this is going to be the best game in the tournament. What do you think? <laughs> I think it could be, uh, honestly. Um, it, I, I think the energy in the, in the stadium is just, we already see it in Lone Depot Park. It's just on a whole nother level. Um, what I love about WBC and specifically about the Dominican and Puerto Rico is I think they're simply trying to prove where the best talent comes from. And and these guys ultimately take pride in that. I look at Edwin Diaz who went out the other day just to get some work in, in the seventh inning and he's pumping his chest and he's looking into the stands and looking into the, into the dugout. He's just as juiced in this type of moment as we see him with the Mets when Timmy Trumpets comes on. So I, I look at the emotion behind it and the talent that we get to see out there. It's only a small sample size of what we will continue to see coming out of Dominican, coming out of Puerto Rico. And we haven't even hit really hit the quarterfinal for that pool yet. So, so I'm excited to see how that continues to grow moving forward. Shohei Otani won the American League MVP award a couple of years ago uh, in the top 100 for ESPN. He's regarded as the number one player. And yet, just I was down in the Yankees clubhouse. It feels like somehow he's gone from uh, a level of stature and somehow gone up in this World Baseball Classic. Like what you see in his presence right now, you know it far better than I do, right? Uh, Tell me what you're, what, what's, What's changing about Otani now where it looks like he's a 12-year-old who hit puberty far earlier than any other little leaguer (laughs) and he's going to dominate everybody because that's the way it feels this year. Oh, man. Buster, I I don't know if it's me or like other people feel this way. I'm like waiting for Otani to like take a step back. Like I'm like, okay, will he continue to get better every single year? Because if that's the case, we're talking about like something we've never seen for a long period of time moving forward. So I, I just look at. The fact that I think they said Otani grew like another million followers just in competing in the WBC, it tells me that like people are still learning about who Shohei Otani is and and the type of image that he is for not only baseball, but for international sports in general. So I love the idea that people are still learning who he is because we've got a great taste of it already in in a couple of years. Um, But also I love the idea that 
like this helps grow our sport. And ultimately that's what we're looking to do, right? If the superstars can continue to grow the game of baseball in the United States and internationally, then that's a win-win for everybody. And we continue to make this game as exciting as it is for me and you and everybody else can see why it's just that exciting. Cause Shohei Otani, someone that not only pitches, but also is a, is a great power hitter, gets to show off those skills every single day and take advantage of it. And they, and the angels didn't even pull the reins, right? We're getting to see him do everything that we see him do on a daily basis here in the United States. So I, I love that aspect of it and, and him being able to show off what his talent ultimately uh, has every day, every day. Yeah. It feels like that about half the conversations I have now with players start with the question of is Otani's going to contract upcoming contract in the offseason start with the number five or number six, <laughs> you know, which is, it's a fun conversation before we go. I know you were just in Yankees camp. Uh, who's going to be the shortstop in your eyes? Would you choose you know, Oswald Peraza? Who's an excellent defender. Uh, he looks like you, we've seen shortstops in terms of the range, mobility, all that, or Anthony Volpe who is having a great spring right now. Uh, the one thing I, I, I mean, as I asked you that question, I was going to mention like the one person who I think in this three person race, who's not going to get the job is Isaiah Kiner Falefa. Yeah. You know, the yes. fact that the Yankees yesterday had him working out in center field and preparing his utility man. That to me was like, okay, they're ready to anoint one of these two young guys. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you. Um, you know, uh, obviously Peraza, he seems like the safe choice, but Buster, I've been watching Volpe, and you know I live in Tampa here, and just being able to see the movements of this guy. And I got to talk to him the other day, and, okay, let, let's throw, like, all the athletic ability aside. Let's throw the instincts aside, because that's one thing everybody talks about is his baseball instincts as well. The I, When I talk to him, there's a different maturity level within him, and, and I think that's the one step that the Yankees are going to have to try to figure out is, is he mature enough mentally and physically to be the star shortstop in New York? And talking to him, I asked him one question. It told me a lot. I said, which, which guy here has taken you under your wing, under their wing and kind of showed you the ropes in your first big league camp and your first opportunity to be here at the big league level? And he says, you know, X, it's not, it hasn't been one of the guys on the team. It, it's been Willie Randolph. It, it's been the, one of the guys that has played not only in New York, but has managed in New York and knows so much about New York. He's the one that's taken me under his wing and kind of really mentored me throughout the whole course of the camp and he's the one that's been able to give me little tidbits that I've really received the most and have been able to take mentally and physically into the games that I've played and I I stood back and I said that that's one of the most mature answers that I that I could possibly hear from a young player that's looking to make a name for himself in big league camp and, and possibly making this team and it told me that he could care less about what everybody else thinks, but he really is trying to soak in the information from guys that have been there and done it. And, and, and doesn't matter if they're on the team, doesn't matter if they're a Rover, doesn't matter if they're a coordinator, he's trying to soak in everything. And I think ultimately to me, I think he's the one that deserves to be the shortstop. I love Peraza safe choice, Hey, get, give it to the star, young kid. I know it does. I know it doesn't make sense money wise, and 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 you got to hold him back in the minor leagues and all that. Nah, get give it to Volpe. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's the one that I feel like deserves it. Two follow ups on that. Uh, Willie Randolph, someone I've known forever, covered him as a coach, 
And I know Willie, he's a serious baseball guy. And mm-hmm. if he felt like that the player was not uh, listening to the information, was not absorbing the information, he would not extend himself in that way. In other words, he would have high expectations for how that would be processed. So the fact that Volpe is getting that information tells you a lot about the respect that Willie has for him. And the second thing is, talking about other players in that clubhouse, I tell you this, they love Volpe. And that doesn't yeah. mean that they don't like Peraza, but mm-hmm. they love Volpe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the captain, Aaron Judge, he uh, the spring train after the first couple of games, he signed off. He said, this guy deserves to be on the team. And and you don't, we, you and I both know Aaron Judge doesn't just talk the talk. If he says right. something, it's going to have a meaning and a statement behind it. And ultimately that told me he, he wants him to be on the team and be at the shortstop. X, thanks for doing this. I appreciate you, Buster. You're the man. Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. And Hembo, of course, is Paul Bikiti. He's a researcher at ESPN, uh, and he is Mike Greenberg's right-hand man, works on the show. Get up. Hembo, how you doing this week? Buster, I've never been better. I've really enjoyed watching the World Baseball Classic to interrupt all of the, you know, Aaron Rodgers news. In case you've not heard, he might say something or make a decision sometime this week. And what I told Greeny, you know, uh, was that both of my daughters, Michelle and Charlotte, are teething right now. They're about six months old. They're both teething. And yet he has somehow managed to be the most temperamental person in my life anyway, which tells you all you need to know about him, all you need to know about the Aaron Rodgers saga. And I, for the life of me, am so happy you have given me an opportunity to vent and just talk about freaking baseball. So you're talking about Mike Greenberg or Aaron Rodgers being the most temperamental. You weren't quite clear on that. I was, <laughs> the answer is all of the above. I've not had a chance to talk with Aaron about his temperamental nature, but I have had the chance to complain to Greeny about his. Oh my God. Aaron Rodgers is annoying. And, and I full disclosure, <laughs> I'm a Vikings fan. So maybe I felt like that for a while, especially when he's throwing touchdowns, but during the situations like, dude, Get over yourself. Make an announcement. <laughs> Make up your mind, bro. I, I hear you. Preaching to the uh, choir. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned the WBC. Uh, tell me about that. How? What? What do you like about it? So what I like most about the WBC and what has really struck me is is the energy. I, I think because we're so spoiled in this country in terms of just the the volume of great sports that are on our TV every single day, I, I think that I have underestimated the extent to which national pride really plays a part and when you see like these electric atmospheres across the globe and when you see tens of thousands of people with dominican flags and like it's just it just really struck me like the the extent to which these people love their countries and love the game of baseball you know I, i have long described baseball as a national pastime as it's been described since the 1860s but honestly buster baseball should be selling itself as the international pastime it is truly our our most global game. And I think the extent to which that has been exemplified over the last few weeks is really pronounced. I I do think that major league baseball is going to probably carry at least a small residual audience from the atmosphere, from the energy uh, of the WBC into the beginning of the season. I think all this could play a factor into baseball having one of its best seasons in recent memory, because I do think that all these rules changes at least early are going to be very attractive to some more of the casual fans. And if you've gotten into the WBC, I think there will be a carryover effect, at least early in the season. That's what I'm hoping for. Tell me the team that's going to win the WBC based on what you've seen. Based on what I've seen, I think Venezuela has the best team. Now, obviously, Japan might have the best pitching staff, but I've just been so impressed with the way Venezuela plays. That lineup is absolutely stacked. The way that they were able to shut down the DR in their first game, that was 
a game I watched in its entirety over the weekend. Like just, I've not had a chance to look at the, 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 the Vegas odds or anything to the effect. I'm going based upon just my observation. That was the team that has struck me as the best one that I've seen so far with my own two eyes. A more scientific study might yield a different answer, but I'm going to put my reputation on Venezuela winning the whole thing. All right. And who do you have winning the NCAA tournament? I've got Alabama like everyone else does. Alabama is the number one overall seed for a reason. they got a top five defense. They have the best player in the tournament, in my judgment, in Brandon Miller. So it's not, it's not an interesting pick. It's not a different pick but I think it's the, the correct pick. I've got Bama well, cutting down the nets. And me as a Vanderbilt guy, uh, I would be okay with that because my feeling is because Alabama's in the SEC, Vanderbilt's in the SEC, if Vanderbilt, say, finished fifth in the, in, the, in the conference, right, that would make Vanderbilt the fifth best team if Alabama wins the title, if that makes sense. Yes, you know? I mean, you're just using the transitive property exactly <laughs> as you could. So you, like me, very scientific and rigorous in your process. Right. All right. Along those lines, give me your number one overall seed in Major League Baseball. The Atlanta Braves buster are the number one overall seed, the best team in baseball. You know how I feel about these guys. So Michael Harris debuted on May 28th. Spencer Strider made his first start on May 30th. From June 1st on, this is a team that played at a 112-win pace. The year before, Atlanta won 48 of its last 72 games en route to a World Series title. We have seen the Braves over the last two years play at an extremely high level over prolonged periods of time. By the way, they have a healthy Acuna, a healthy Albies, maybe even a healthy Mike Soroka, right? A full year of Harris and Strider, a full year of Rysel Iglesias. By the way, they have two top 10 catchers. This roster is stacked. I think they will more than make up for the loss of Dansby Swanson. And if you told me that the Braves have a lot of things go right and the Braves got to 110 wins, it would not surprise me. Okay, so a couple of X factors. I'm 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 with you in terms of being high on the Braves, uh, in ter- in terms of what they're capable of. Uh, they do have a couple of you know major questions on their roster. One, I think we began to get some information yesterday. Ian Anderson, option of the minor leagues. Bryce Elder, option of the minor leagues. Jared Schuster, who was their number one pick in 2020, seems to be evolving as the front runner to be the number five starter uh, for that rotation, and it's shortstop. They have not come out and said for sure that Von Grissom is the shortstop. I talked to him yesterday. I talked to Ron Washington, who's coach, and you know, Von Grissom is a great, like he's a great interview. He's fun to talk to. He's tons of talent. He's going to have a long career in the big leagues. Wash, you know, talked about his physical skills. Hemba, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the guy all year because I've mm. I've heard during the offseason they're poking around at shortstop. That is a big question. Uh, that is a big question for a team with aspirations of winning the World Series to have some doubt about who your shortstop's going to be. No doubt. Up the middle defense is going to be at a premium now with the shift being gone. So that is absolutely something to watch. Here's what I know. Here's what I know about Alex Anthopoulos. He effectively won the World Series in 2021 with his deadline moves. I saw him do uh, exemplary things last year at the trade deadline too. If it's clear that the Braves don't have a player that can man that position properly, He'll make a decision, and maybe even sooner or later. I'm Look, they, they've always trusted their process and trusted their young players. But that general manager is a guy I have implicit trust in adding a shortstop if they feel that without one, they can't win the World Series. Right. Who's your Cinderella team uh, in keeping with the NCAA theme in Major League Baseball in 2023? The Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to go into the season with a payroll of something like $70 million. And they're a Cinderella, a team that could go say even all the way to the Final Four because they're going to outpitch everybody. Buster, this is astonishing to me. So over the last five years, there are only three teams in baseball that have allowed fewer than four runs a game. 
The Dodgers, the Astros, their run prevention is absolutely absurd. And this year, I think it's going to be as good, if not better, than it's ever been. Shane McClanahan is a legit one. Take it from me as a Phillies fan that Zach Eflin for them is going to be great. Glasnow and Boz are going to make a big impact for them during the season, so long as they can uh, you know, get back up to health, of course. The bullpen's ridiculous. We got with Fairbanks and Jason Adams uh, at the back end of that thing to anchor it. And don't be at all surprised if Wander Franco has like a six or seven war season. Like That guy has all of the ingredients to be absolutely great. So if I'm looking at teams sort of on the bottom of the barrel in terms of payroll, like who might approach 100 wins if everything goes right? Who might wait, wind up making it to the – American League or National League Championship Series if a bunch of things goes right. It would not surprise me at all if the Rays do that. Right now, they're kind of sleep- people are sleeping on them behind the Yankees and the Blue Jays. I think this roster is great, and this has the best chance to be the, one of the best pitching staffs that they've ever had. Yeah, it made me sick to my stomach in the opening of the show. I mentioned how high you were on Zach Eflin as a value signing and free agent and how right you were. That, uh, that hurt to make that acknowledgement. <laughs> Give me your diaper dandy. Oh, Corbin Carroll Buster, the 22-year-old left fielder. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, friend of the show. This guy got a nine-figure extension having uh, with 38 days of major league service time, which is completely unprecedented, obviously. His profile is one that you can absolutely fall in love with. He's played 174 games of professional baseball across six levels. That includes his brief stint in the big leagues last year. 174 games, so slightly more than one full season. Buster, it's 110 walks. 92 extra base hits and 54 steals. That is a ridiculous profile of a player with honestly a a very small bit of professional experience. He is the player, I think probably best suited to thrive amongst these rule changes because that cast says he's the fastest player in baseball and he's a left-handed hitter that doesn't sell out for a launch angle. So like you get 150 games out of him, that's 150 plus hits too. There are going to be very few games this year in which the Diamondbacks win that he does not contribute in some way. I am all in on this kid. So every time I see Braves manager Brian Sinker, I always tease him by asking for a comp. He hates the comps. Hey, who does uh, Paul Hembikides remind you of? You know, and so we'll laugh about it. Uh, I think the the closest comp for Corbin Carroll, based on what I saw, was Ichiro. In terms of the, the range of skill, the ability to put the ball in play, the speed, the whole thing, the extra bases. Now, Ichiro didn't hit. You know, uh, he was, wasn't always a guy who was going to hit for a ton of extra base hits. Corbin Carroll might turn out to be a guy who's going to have, you know, more thump, more power, more slugging percentage uh, than each row did. Speaking of contracts, I wanted to get your perspective on, a, uh, on the deal that uh, Kyberic uh, Ruiz signed with the Washington Nationals the other day. Eight years, $50 million. And as I thought more and more about that deal, eight-year deal for a 24-year-old player, I, I – I think that might be as team-friendly a deal as we've seen in a long time. Yeah, so I expected after doing my research that I would come to the same conclusion. But I see it at least a little differently than you do. Is it team-friendly? Sure. I mean, the Nats are in control, if you include the options, of his ages 24 through 33 seasons. Let's let's put some more things in perspective, though. This is going to be his ninth year in professional baseball. He's been around for a long time, so he is no longer like this this uber prospect with lots of potential. Like we kind of know what this kid is, right? We only have 143 game, big league games and 2.2 war to show for it. There are a variety of reasons for that, but those are the numbers, right? So he was a 300 hitter in the minor leagues. And that's a big reason why he was considered such a mega prospect as a catcher. But the slash line honestly has a lot of empty calories in it. 
And when you look at the defense, we're going to compare him to his major league peers last season, looking at the framing, looking at the throwing, looking at the blocking. Blocking is the only area in which he graded as above average. So sure, if this were Adley Rutschman signing this contract, yeah, it would be an obvious team-friendly grand slam. But honestly, Buster, I think this kid's reputation has been at least a little bit inflated because he was the prize for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, which was a deal at the time that I said was an awful one for the Washington Nationals. I'll tell you what, this better be a free, uh, team-friendly deal for Washington because otherwise I think we'll look back on that trade as being an absolute disaster. Yeah, and you're happy for him, you know, making the kind of money, you know, that'll set up uh, he and his family uh, theoretically for the rest of his life. So congratulations on that contract. We got about two minutes left. I want you to rank the easiest to toughest divisions in baseball, one through six. I think the easiest division is the American League Central. I did win totals for you for all 30 teams. I have the Twins winning the Central at only 86 wins. That's how lowly I think of the Central. Next on my list, Buster, number two, the National League Central. I have the Cubs right now uh, projected to go 81 and 81. That's going to be the team that really drives the quality of this division. I think they'll take a step forward. How much, it's uncer- I'm uncertain to say. So they're number two. Number three, and this is a division you're higher on than I am, the American League West. I have the, these teams averaging 80 wins. I don't see a huge leap wow. for Texas or a huge leap for the Angels the way that some do. So I have the average team in this division going 80 and 82. Number four on my list is the National League East. This is obviously being driven by the top three because I have the Braves, the Mets, and the Phillies averaging 94 wins. But the Nationals are obviously at the very, very bottom there, and they might well be the worst team in baseball. I have the second best or the second toughest division in baseball being the National League West, actually. And I see that in large part because I view San Francisco and Arizona as both teams that are going to get at least a little bit better, maybe a lot better. The Dodgers will come back down to earth for sure. But those two teams will both be better than they were a year ago, and maybe even San Diego based on all the moves that they've made. And that means that the American League East, I view as the best division in baseball with an average record of 86 and 76. I, I actually think the Orioles are going to finish last in this division, but I have them finishing last at 76 and 86. So the floor is very, very high. I think there is a world in which it is possible that all five teams in this division could approach, if not even exceed 500, but I view the Orioles as taking a step back Red Sox being a little bit better than consensus, but either way, I think there are three teams that are going to make the playoffs out of the American League East again, and I view it as the best division in baseball. What say you? I agree. American League East, the best division in baseball. Uh, I have the Orioles finishing last because they didn't spend during the course of the offseason. I think the Red Sox would be better than expected, and the top three teams are great. You know, you're, you're, I'm here in Yankees camp today. Man, they got a lot of great players. Hembo, thanks for doing this. Later, friends. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick of Hembo. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing out in Arizona? I am doing great, Buster. I'm watching baseball two games a day, and I just want to give a shout-out right now to Taylor and Sarah for dealing with the background noise from a press box as we record this. So thank you guys for dealing with me. Well, yeah, so we're taping with you on Tuesday afternoon. Which press box are you in? I am in the Chase Hill press box. I just saw Rio Gomez fish, so I have dried my eyes and uh, I'm trying to recover emotionally. But it was amazing to see him out there on the mountain in Arizona with his mother in the sand in her Columbia jersey and all of this. Amazing. So while you're at in Arizona, you got to hang out with Bruce Bochy, who you know we've talked in the podcast before. You met him uh, when you were a fan in the stands at a spring training game, Giants. Tell me what that was like to uh, see Bochy again. Oh, my gosh. I mean, so great to see him. So funny to see him in blue in a whole different outfit, something we haven't seen when we're used to the black and orange for the Giants, but... Just so wonderful to see him. We talked about your basketball game and his, of course, but he just seems really happy, and it was wonderful to get to catch up and to see him in the dugout managing on the field again. Nice. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 10. So obviously I'm here covering the WBC, so it's very much on my mind. And last night, as of our reporting, on Monday night, Puerto Rico threw eight perfect innings against Israel. Not an official perfect game because they won on a walk-off mercy rule, and they didn't even get to pitch the ninth inning. But the 10 is for Jose de Leon's 10 strikeouts, which tied Ubaldo Jimenez in 2009 for the most in the game in WBC history. Number two. Number two is a two. So speaking of WBC and here in Phoenix, Harry Ford, who is the top prospect for the Mariners, a catcher, has now hit two home runs in the tournament, 
for Great Britain. He was the youngest player in WBC history to hit a home run. Before this tournament, we'd never seen someone under the age of 21 hit a home run in the WBC. Now he has two and Canadian prospects, Owen Casey, on the Cubs also has one. Number one. Number one is three. So the three is for the number of games Juan Soto has had in his MLB career where he did what he did on Monday night for the Dominican Republic. He had a home run and an outfield assist from left field. Soto has three for MLB games where he has done that. And I love this list. He did in August of last year against the Mets. He did in August of 2021 against the Mets. And he did it on May 15th, 2018 against the Yankees. The only thing is, his MLB debut was actually five days later. So if you don't remember this off the top of your head the way I do, Juan Soto actually played in a suspended game that oh. was resumed on June 18th, 2018. The game had been suspended on May 15th. He homered. So he has a home run before his MLB debut, technically. And I did not remember that he also had an assist in that game. And all that while entering partway through the game. So when I think we started the numbers game, what was it 2016, 2017? I think it was 17. Yeah. And and so, you know, three notes per show that you present and, you know, hundreds of shows at this point that you've been doing this. There's no doubt Juan Soto is like the Babe Ruth of numbers game notes from Sarah Langs. Would you agree with me? Absolutely. I do think Blue <laughs> Rodriguez may threaten, but it is pretty impressive that it has to be Soto. When you consider the fact that we had a full year of the numbers game before he even debuted, that there is no question my favorite player in baseball to research, to look into, because he's a future Hall of Famer and just so much fun to watch. All right. So before you go, since we're going to have a whole Arizona theme today, uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks this year, according to Pakota, they've got them a team that won 74 games last year. Bakota has them at 74.2. The uh, Our friend Paul Hembikides has them at 77. You've got them at 79, okay? What's your thinking behind that number for them? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I love the future of this team. We saw it towards the end of last year. They're going to be good in a few years, and I really think that we're going to see that all start to come together this year. We talked about Corbin Carroll with the – definite favorite for rookie of the year in the National League. And, you know, Zach Allen, I think he is incredibly underappreciated. Had that long scoreless streak last year. There's so much to like about this team. The way they're managed by Tori Lovello, pitching coach, everything. So I just think 74 wins last year. I definitely think they're at least five wins better than last year. And again, we've kind of talked about this, I think, on here. But for me, a lot of it is about ordering as well. I have them finishing ahead of the Giants. I think this is really a team on the rise. 
Yeah, uh, I would agree with you. And I, and, you know, if you don't know the answer to this now, maybe we can talk about it. Uh, you know, the, the next time we talk with you, Corbin Carroll. Uh, you know, we always talk about him being one of the fastest guys. Who is literally the fastest guy in baseball? Well, he was last year. Even though we only came up toward the end of the year, you look at average sprint speed, and you make the qualifier like ten competitive runs. It was him. He had an average sprint speed above 30 feet per second. That is the elite threshold, 30. So his average was elite. And that's up there with guys like Trey Turner. I mean, I think the guy to knock off in terms of everyday player is certainly Trey Turner. But Corbin Carroll has a full year healthy. It's going to be a fascinating race for them atop that leaderboard. Yeah, I gave you a lifeline and, and it's an out in case you didn't know the number, but of course you knew it. 30 feet per second. 30 feet uh, per second. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Great to talk to you. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Arizona Diamondbacks. Arizona improved by 22 wins last year from 52 to 74. And they've got some building blocks in place, like outfielder Corbin Carroll, who just agreed to an eight-year, $111 million contract, and a Zach Gallen, who went 12 and four with a 2.54 ERA. Newcomers. The Diamondbacks signed veteran third baseman Evan Longorio, enters the season with 1,883 hits and 331 homers in his career. And Arizona flipped outfielder Dalton Varsho to the Blue Jays for talented young catcher Gabriel Moreno, who hit 319 in 25 games for the Blue Jays last year. Breakout star. Corbin Carroll, friend of the podcast, is the fastest guy in baseball, and he immediately contributed after his promotion to the big leagues late last summer. Nine doubles, two triples, four homers for a 500 slugging percentage. The X Factor. Madison Bumgarner had the greatest postseason we've ever seen in 2014 when he was with the Giants. But now, almost a decade later, he could be at a tipping point in his career. Bumgarner had a 4.88 ERA and 30 starts last season with an expected ERA of 5.53. Set to make 23 million this year, 14 million next year. Bumgarner is 33 years old. The Baseball Tonight Podcast win projection. Dakota doesn't see a lot of improvement over last year, spitting out 74.2 wins for the D-backs. Sarah Lang says 79. Hembo, 77. I say 76. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Wednesday. Uh, first up, Debbie Gammons Brown, DGB, writes in, Yes, Taylor, you and the Baseball Night podcast inspired the addition of DGB to my name on Twitter. In the past, I've designed my own Nikes with DGB on the tabs on the back. She sent a cool wow. picture, and that's pretty fun. What a great idea, Debbie. Um, yeah, Taylor, you're like a designer. I, like you're inspiration for designers everywhere. I have been told I'm very inspirational before, so thank you, Buster. And uh, very stylish, <laughs> apparently. Oh, my man. Uh, let's go to Matt Smirking at Matt Smirking Revenge. He writes in, RSN bankruptcy set to impact 14 teams in declining importance of fan attendance, connection to revenue, card second in attendance, but 12th in revenue for 22. Can we get a deep financial review analysis outside of the billionaire owner's narrative? Well, first off, I can't give you a deep financial analysis unless I have access to their books. And it's a private business. And other than you know the Atlanta Braves and the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, two teams that are publicly held where there's financial disclosures there, disclosures uh, for those teams, 
We don't have access to numbers. Mm -hmm. So I can't give you a deep financial analysis. That's the fact. But, uh, and and I feel the frustration that you have but I think it's safe to say, you know, because we read all these, you know, baseball is dying tweets. And look, all these signs are that baseball's in trouble. We saw how owners handled their business, right? They they are extremely conservative by nature. The uh, Oakland Athletics wanted to cut their minor leaguer salaries from $400 to $300 a week during the pandemic. That's how much some of these guys were looking to save. And yet the average player salary last year jumped 14%. It's probably going to be somewhere close to 5 million this year. So yes, they've got these, uh, you know, the, the diamond sports, you've got the bankruptcy there. You mentioned declining attendance. Apparently they're making a lot of money. They wouldn't be signing these guys to big contracts, Taylor, if they weren't making a lot of money. Yes, indeed. Slate at Slate underscore 2130. Uh, Slate attaches an image from the Reds announcing their minor league camp reassignees, including Christian Encarnacion Strand. He writes in, make it make sense. Dude has the best spring training of anyone in the majors on a team that has barely any talent, and they refuse to put him on the opening day roster. Pathetic. Okay. Uh, I would say, yes, he's had an absolutely dominant spring training, 15 for 26, OPS of 1748. Okay, that's how good he's been. He's also got just 48 games in double A. He's never played above double A. So I do think if you're the Cincinnati Reds, you can at least have him start the year in the minor leagues. If he dominates triple A, where I'm assuming he's going to be sent the beginning of the year, then you can call him up during the year. I don't I get that. I do think there is some player development consideration with some of these guys. There you go, Slate. Cousin Wolf at Cousin Wolf Music writes in, why has nobody signed Jerks and Profire yet? Where will he end up? So, Cousin, I asked that question of a general manager this week, and what I got back was, look, he's looking for a certain amount of money, and he's not getting that type of offer. At some point, some team is going to step up, uh, maybe not give him the contract that he expected because he finished really well with the Padres last year. He's an experienced hitter. He's a good hitter. He plays with a great heart rate at, uh, in, in big games. But uh, I just think that uh, like Kike Hernandez, he's not going to get as big of a contract as you might think. Last one for today, Oren Sleepwalker at Oren83. He writes in, now that you can technically get a strikeout. I'm sorry, I'm doing a podcast. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Okay, sorry, go ahead. We're leaving that in. Now that you can technically get a strikeout without even throwing a single pitch, will we see an immaculate inning with eight or even less pitches thrown? Will it be considered more (laughs) or less immaculate than the standard nine-pitch immaculate inning? Uh, Or, and I haven't. Uh, I haven't thought about that, but that that would be funny. And I tell you what, there would be a lot of old schoolers on social media on Twitter who would their heads would explode. That's it for Bleacher Tweets. We will it's be back. They're ruining on. the game. They're it's, ruining the game. It's ruining an eight it. pitch, an eight pitch immaculate inning. What is the world coming to? The tweets will be so spicy. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets if you are angry about it. Thanks, everyone. That's it for today. My thanks to X-Man, Hembo, Sarah Langs, Bruce, Sarah, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. 
claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.